tonight I wanted to speak with you as we do face a challenging time that sometimes we feel like you know what's the use we get up and we follow the Lord and serve him and uh, we need to be encouraged to to uh, continue on and so Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says to them be steadfast and immovable and we want to look at the text this evening, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58. So if you have your Bible, if you want to follow along, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58. And it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so when times get discouraging, we're encouraged not to give up and knowing that our labor is not in vain, that the things that we do for the Lord uh, count for eternity and that they are valuable. If no one else sees them or no one else gives us any credit or no one even responds, if we're just following and being faithful to the Lord, our labor is not in vain. And uh, we want to look at, uh, at that encouragement tonight. Uh, but first of all, in this text, we see our final destination, our final victory, and it's in heaven, isn't it? Uh, if we're all, our hope is only in this life, uh, you know, it's disappointing. It's not a perfect world. It's not heaven here. America is a pretty good place, and I like to say, uh, you know, if you're waiting to win the lottery and you're an American, quit waiting. You already won, <laughs> okay? Compared to the rest of the world, this is... Uh, the place to be, and that's why we have such an immigrant problem. Uh, we don't have a, an, an exit problem where people are trying to get out of America, and we have to put up walls like they did in, in Berlin and other places when communism was there uh, to you know, shoot them if they try and get out. You don't have to do that here. You have to put the walls up to keep them from coming in and so you can control the borders. And uh, But... Uh, uh, this is one of the best places in the world, and uh, we we have a I preach up at a little church right now up in Clark Summit, uh, north of Scranton, and uh, uh, they put up one of these banners that's uh, there's a movement going around that says save the persecuted Christians. It's a banner, and it has this uh, Arabic letter on it, and the Arabic letter is uh, comparable to the letter N, and it stands for Nazarene, and the Muslims. Uh, use that as a derogatory term for Christians. It calls them the Nazarenes because Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, uh, even some places I understand where they 
persecuted the, the Christians, they would put that letter on their houses to identify which ones were the Christians and, and uh, which ones were uh, uh, the ones who were the targets of the, the radical Muslims. And so uh, we ought to pray for our brothers and sisters who don't have it like we have it here in America. You know, it's getting a little bit more difficult, but uh, uh, still uh, we have great freedom in America to share our faith and to uh, promote the gospel. But some places, even just to claim the name of Christ, uh, can get even a death warrant on your life. And so we need to pray for, for those folks. But our destination is heaven, okay? And uh, so, uh, you know, anyone who doesn't realize how he great heaven is, you know, just have a bad day here. There's none of those in heaven. And uh, when we get to heaven, there's going to be no more sadness, sorrow, suffering, disease, dying. And uh, it's going to be a glorious place, and the Lord will be there. And uh, we look forward to that. Uh, but it says uh, here in this text, uh, in order to get to heaven, we have to be changed, all right? Because these bodies are wearing out. And we were just talking about that in the lobby, you know. What ailments can you tell me about, and I'll tell you about mine. Uh, that uh, <laughs> there's something going wrong, uh, you know. And uh, uh, we, we're going toward wearing out. We're not toward going toward improving every, uh, you know, every year and uh I'm that much better than I was last year, no. Uh, and I got started early. I think I'm on the early plan to, to age. Uh, I, uh, I'm 66 now, but uh, uh, well, I was in my 40s, and I had cataracts, and I had to have the lens implants when I was in my 40s. And, and then I've been dealing with some skin cancers, and, you know, we all get something. And fortunately, the cataracts are now just a you know an easy thing, and so they just pop some new lenses in, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't at the time where they could give me the right lenses, so I didn't need glasses at all. But now most people, after they get that surgery, I understand uh, uh, at least a lot of them don't even need glasses at all. But heaven is perfect, isn't it? And that's what we look forward to in our relationship with God. This isn't heaven yet. And so if we expect it to be heaven, uh, we're mistaken. And uh, if we expect people to act like angels, uh, we're still all flawed with sin. And we're dealing with people who... Uh, some even who know the Lord are not living totally the way he would have them to live and even our own lives uh, that we need to continually be getting strength from the Lord to live the Christian faith. But flesh and blood, it says, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And it reminds us of Jesus' teaching in John chapter 3. Uh, and he wasn't talking about the physical body, but he was talking about our spirits. When he talked to Nicodemus, you remember he said, uh, unless a person is born again, he will in no wise enter the kingdom of God. And he will, uh, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God, Jesus told Nicodemus. And he was a religious guy, wasn't he? Nicodemus was a leader of the, in the religious community. And Jesus told him, you know, uh, you need to be born again. And uh, uh, Nicodemus seemingly didn't understand that. And Jesus said, well, uh, he said, can I go in my mother's womb and get uh, born again that way? And Jesus said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I'm, I'm talking about uh, flesh gives birth to flesh. You had a physical birth, and spirit gives birth to spirit. You need a spiritual birth as well as a physical birth. We all have a physical birth. We need to have a spiritual birth. We're born separated from the life and love of God. And when Jesus said, unless we're born again, we won't ever get to heaven. Uh, we need to be a new person spiritually. And then here it talks about having a glorified body, too. These old bodies got to get uh, changed as well if we're to be in heaven with the Lord. I was uh, mentioned uh, 
earlier, I was at the University of Delaware uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there's a, a house that's run by InterVarsity Christian Fellowship right across from the campus, uh, right across from the library there in Newark, Delaware. And they have a sign out in front, and I thought, well, that's pretty neat to put that on your sign. They had a couple of slogans on the sign out in front, and one of them was that sign with the slogan, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. And how many are familiar with that slogan? Have you heard that before? Okay, just maybe one or two. Uh, and it's talking about just what we're saying, that uh, to get into heaven, we need to be born again. If you're only born physically, you'll die twice. You'll have your physical death and, but that isn't the worst thing. You'll have a spiritual death for eternity, separation from God for eternity that the Bible describes as hell, as torment. And uh, so if you're only born physically, you'll die twice. But if you're born spiritually, you have a physical birth, and then you have a conversion experience where you trust Christ as your Savior. He forgives your sin, and he makes you new as a new person. You're born again, and then born twice, you'll only die once. Uh, that uh, uh, you'll die physically, but you'll be alive forever in heaven with the Lord. And so I thought that was great to have that, out that on that university campus. I don't think most people uh, even there would have a clue what that means, but InterVarsity is promoting the message of Christ uh, in that uh, context. And, uh, of course, we're made right with God when we repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And soon we're about to celebrate that. Uh, the death and resurrection of Christ at the Holy Week, Easter week. And uh, uh, we need to make sure that never becomes just another holiday. Uh, you know, and you, you hear and see all these things. I wrote an editorial. I don't know if it'll make the daily item or not, but I write these things, and, and I want to get maximum use out of them. So I send them out to about 30 different newspapers in the region, and uh, you know, usually four or five pick it up. So I got a call from Penn Live from the Patriot News that they're going to uh, run it, but uh, one of the comments I had in the in the article was, you know, how so many people miss the true meaning of Easter because we've put all these trappings on it, uh, so that it hides this greatest event of all history: Jesus' death for our sins and resurrection. And here, one of the I was going around the different stores to try and find some Easter cards for some family and friends, and. Uh, couldn't find any with the empty tomb on the front of it, first of all, which is the, you know, the most miraculous uh, thing that ever happened and also the greatest credential anybody could ever have is Jesus' tomb is empty because he rose again. Uh, but uh, some of them even claim to be religious. But the, the one card got so far, it shows how distorted and, and uh, uh, how people miss the whole point of, of what Easter uh, for Christians at least, is all about. It said, uh, happy uh, stuff your mouth with chocolate day. Okay. <laughs> happy stuff your mouth with chocolate day. That was, you want to get an Easter card for somebody, you get them that, okay? And we all laugh at that because we know there's, you know, candy. And those of us candy lovers, you know, that's another one of those holidays we can uh, say, well, we're off our diet. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was the card for in the Easter section. And you think, you know what? Uh, what person thinks of that as sufficient to say what we're celebrating at Easter and, uh, or doesn't understand it. And uh, yet even the, the Christian cards, uh, supp supposedly religious cards, I don't think too many Christians write these religious cards because they have flowery language and they talk about springtime and how wonderful season of the year. They put flowers on it. 
And uh, then one of them said, I pray that uh, God gives you uh, all the blessings at Easter time that you're so worthy of. <laughs> okay? And uh, I don't know if you understand how wrong that is, uh, but uh, Jesus had to come because none of us are worthy of anything before a holy God. Okay? What we're worthy of is the wages of sin is death. We're worthy of his judgment on our life. And if we get what we deserve, uh, we won't be in heaven. And so the message of Easter is God had to come and die for your sins and mine so that we could be worthy of heaven. We're not worthy on our own. He gives us uh, blessings by grace. And that's what uh, Ephesians 2 uh, talks about. You're saved by grace, by the fact that Jesus died for your sins, you'll get into heaven. If you're depending on yourself, you're not going to get in. The standard is too high for human beings to earn their way to heaven. But it's, it's available to all because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so when we become a follower of Christ, we receive his payment for our sins. And we're then, uh, we have a peace about the second coming or our death, whichever comes first. I noticed uh, uh, David Jeremiah uh, the other day in one of his messages, he said, uh, he expects to be here when Jesus comes back, okay? And, and uh, you know, that's, and he's up there too, like a lot of us, all right? Gray hairs. And so he said, I, the way things are going, I expect to be here when Jesus comes back. Well, he may or may not be right. A lot of people have said that over the years. And, uh, uh, you know, I remember thinking that when I was uh, first a Christian in the, in the late 1960s and, and 70s. We thought, you know, Jesus is coming back pretty soon. And yet uh, he still hasn't done it. And so we, we get it wrong. And uh, Jesus gave a parable and uh, uh, he told them uh, that uh, it said he gave them the parable about uh, doing his work because they were thinking he, the kingdom of God was coming immediately. If you read in Luke 19, uh, he gives a parable uh, of the, uh, in other versions it's, or in other places in the, New Testament is called the parable of the talents. In Luke, it's called the parable of the minus. It's a, uh, a term for a monetary unit and how the, the uh, servants didn't use what God had given them or what the master had given them, rather, in the parable. And the master came back, and uh, the ones that had multiplied their, their minus uh, received more, and the one who hid it away in a handkerchief, uh, he was even what he had was taken away. And uh, the, the point was... Uh, while we're here, until he comes back, we have work to do. We have a job to do. And that's what this uh, verse says here, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There is a work for Christians to do, and you and I have a job to do. Uh, you know, I retired from full-time ministry, but I never retired from serving the Lord. And uh, uh, any of us who think we're retired from serving the Lord, we missed the message. <laughs> we didn't, he never sent us that memo, okay? Uh, we're here for his service. We're his servants uh, and uh, his children, and we have a job to complete. And so that verse says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, overflowing. Uh, let it uh, be coming out of who you are, uh, that you're a Christian and you're doing God's work in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Anything that you do for the Lord uh, will be worthwhile. And uh, so uh, don't give up. Don't stop doing it. Don't get frustrated. Don't look out at, at what's going on in the world and say, well, it's not of no use. 
Uh, keep trying. Keep sowing the seed, even in your own family. Don't give up on anyone. Keep praying for them until they come to Christ, until they dedicate their lives to Christ. It is a very confusing world, especially for young people. Uh, they're told there's no absolute truths and that they're just a, a, a result of an accidental explosion of, of matter and energy. And uh, they're not, never told in school uh, that there's a God who made them. And uh, what a tragedy to think that you're just an accident, uh, that you're not a, a loving creation of a loving God. But uh, so in that, uh, we need to be sharing this message and those who have received it, and we've been blessed to receive it, uh, we need to realize we have a job to do. Right? We're not here to rest and relax. That's heaven. Okay? And uh, some people want to keep working in heaven. I'm sure there'll be work in heaven too. But uh, uh, here there is work. Okay? Uh, maybe some of you remember a show I remember, uh, Dobie Gillis. Anybody remember that show? A few, okay. Uh, a lot of dated stuff around us these days because we've passed into a different generation. But Dobie Gillis, there was a guy on the show named Maynard G. Krebs, okay. He was a beatnik. and those days he was a beatnik. And you remember Maynard G. Krebs, uh, whenever he would say the word work, he'd say, work, <laughs> okay. It was a scary word to Maynard G. Krebs, work. And uh, to uh, a lot of Christians, we don't like that word, uh, especially when it comes to our faith. Is there a job God has for you to do? You bet. Has he given you some abilities and talents and resources and other things to get it done? You bet. Every one of us, we're not gifted the same. Spiritually, we're gifted all differently. Uh, but whatever we have, we're to use for him. We're not to wrap it up in the handkerchief and hide it uh, until he comes. We're to be using it uh, to build his kingdom. And uh, we're not just here to go down on the beach and gain, uh, absorb sunshine for those who still do that. Uh, whatever it is uh, that we find pleasurable, that's not what we're here for. That's uh, something that helps us relax. And, and uh, in between jobs, the job we're to do uh, is to serve God and to please him uh, first and foremost. Uh, but uh, there is labor in the Christian life, and we're not to... Uh, get discouraged about the labor, but always abounding in the work of the Lord, always doing as much as we can, as often as we can, for the cause of Christ in every way that we can. Uh, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, uh, the first part of it I referred to where he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he lays it out pretty clear. He says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. You're saved not of works. Uh, I'm not telling you to get out and work for the Lord so you earn your way to heaven. You can't do enough to earn your way to heaven. We're unworthy. Jesus had to die for us so that we could get in. He takes unworthy people. People who think they're worthy are in danger because uh, Jesus gave another parable where the Pharisee stood and said, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Uh, I fast twice a week and I give tithes and uh, and uh, he, was, he was trying to impress God with how religious he was. And, and then there was the tax collector also in the temple that day, and he couldn't even look to heaven. He felt so unworthy. And he beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you remember what Jesus said. He said, who went away justified? Uh, the religious guy? No. He said the religious guy went away not justified because he thought he was better than the other guy. But the the tax collector who realized he was a sinner in need of God's grace, he would away justified. And so you and I, if we're expecting to get into heaven and how good we are, uh, 
we're going to be told like that Pharisee, no, you didn't quite meet the perfection standard. But if we're like the, the tax collector who says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, uh, we'll get in because he is merciful and he did pay our penalty at the cross of Calvary. That's why Jesus had to come. But at the end of those verses, after he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God. Yeah, you don't earn a gift. The gift is given to you. The person who gives you the gift pays for it. Jesus paid for your salvation. Amen? Okay, that's, that's where it was paid for. It was a co cost him a high price to die on that cross. And we're going to celebrate that again. Uh, Good Friday, uh, the means of execution, the death penalty that the Romans could come up with, the humiliating means of killing somebody, uh, that became a symbol of love because Jesus willingly took it on for you and for me. He who didn't have any sin took our sin on him so that we could be forgiven and have a place in heaven. So uh, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But then he says, for you were created in Christ Jesus beforehand unto good works that you should walk in them. So you don't get into heaven and you don't become a Christian by the good works that you do. You do the good works because you're, you've been forgiven and you're on your way to heaven. And people on their way to heaven are so thankful to God, they want to serve him every way they can. Uh, but uh, it isn't what we're earning our way. It isn't paying our way. And uh, if you think you have to pay your dues and that's why you give your offering, uh, that's not it. Uh, we do that out of love and out of gratitude that we've been forgiven much more than we could ever give back, more than we could ever do for him. He's done for us at the cross of Calvary. And so Matthew 5:16, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see what? That you're a nice person, see your good works. And then what do they do? Say how great you are? No, it says that they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. The purpose of the good works is not to impress others or to impress God, but to get other people to think about God. And when they see you do things that they don't expect, um, when uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, uh, said, I sell uh, half of my what I have and give it to the poor, and then if any, I cheated anyone, I give them four times as much back when he met Jesus. Uh, that's not what the normal tax collectors did, okay? That was shocking for them to see that. And they'd have to say to themselves, hmm, scratch your head. He's a, he's a rich guy, and he's giving up his riches because he met Jesus. Well, it must be something about Jesus because it isn't tax collectors who are going around doing this. And so when you allow Jesus to control your life, you'll do things that other people will watch, and they'll say, uh, I must, God must be doing something here, okay, uh, that it's unusual. It's not something they expect uh, from a normal human being, an average human being. But the works that you do, and then you have to verbalize it too because a lot of times they'll see you, your good works and they'll say, oh, you're a good person. Uh, but uh, sometimes you have to say, no, I'm doing it because Jesus is my Lord and Master, and I'm doing it to honor him, and I want you to know his love, and that's why I'm doing this. And then uh, Jesus himself said in John 9, 4, uh, there on the uh, second, on the back of the outline, uh, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And so Jesus said that about himself, <clears throat> but it also applies to us. Uh, there's a time we can witness to people for Christ. There's a book that was written uh, by a, a man whose last name is Cahill, and he said, uh, the, the thing that you can't do in heaven, 
That is, you can't witness to anybody. Everybody in heaven is going to be saved already. And they don't need witnessing there. You don't get a second chance. It's this life. And so if you don't do it now, you're not going to get to do it later. Uh, and, uh, uh, but you are to do it now. You are to share your faith. You are to tell people about Jesus. And, uh, but there's a night coming. When you die, it's too late to witness. If you're a Christian, you'd go to heaven. So great. That's the most important thing after all anyway. Because Jesus died for you, you can be in heaven, and I can be in heaven, though unworthy as I am. Uh, he paid it all, and he, he will t uh, welcome me in because of his payment, not my worthiness. But uh, uh, I can have some other people come in because they heard me talk about him, or they got one of those Steps to Peace with God booklets that you're going to give out to, uh, this week. And uh, they read it, and they said, yeah, I need to make peace with God. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. I need to do what Billy Graham preached uh, for people to do, repent. Even he said uh, he's not getting into heaven by how good he is, but he's a sinner who needs a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior of the world. But uh, he said, do it while it's day. Night comes when no one can work. And uh, what a tragedy it is uh, when the night can come uh, when you die and go to heaven, but it also can come, for example, uh, uh, when someone else dies that you know and you know they don't know the Lord but you didn't take time to share it with them and there was some work to be done but you said no I'd rather just uh, ha go out and have a fun time this afternoon or uh, keep my mouth shut so I don't become unpopular because some people don't like Jesus uh, there's work to be done and there's some people that the night is going to come for them to receive Christ it's going to be too late because they died, and you can never witness to them again after they die. Friend, family, somebody that you knew. And we don't know. I mean, I've done funerals for uh, people as young as five years old and uh, as old as 99. Uh, you know, we don't never know when that's going to be. Uh, so the night might come with somebody you don't expect they're going to die, but they get hit by a car, they get a disease, or they, or they move out of the area, and you don't ever see them again. And you failed to share and uh, what a tragedy that is. And the night can come also when uh, uh, it's not as free to do it as it is now, uh, where you might get thrown into prison for sharing your faith. And some places that's already the case. Uh, but so work while it's day. Work while you have the opportunity. Take the advantage of, of the fact that you have the freedoms today and that the Lord wants you to be his worker. He, he said pray uh, not for... Uh, vacationers, he says, pray for laborers for the harvest, all right, people who are going to do the work, who are going to get involved and here in the church and other ways to, to promote the cause of Christ in these difficult and dark times that we face. And then the uh, letter B there, there'll be opposition to when you're a worker for the Lord. We have an enemy. God has a plan for us and he has work for us to do, but the enemy also has plans for us to defeat us and to keep us from doing the work. And some work will only succeed through great trials and seeming setbacks. Uh, of course, the best illustration of that is the crucifixion. Uh, you know, it seemed at that point, even to the disciples, you know, Satan had won. <laughs> Jesus had died. He'd been killed. Uh, he had an unfair trial. He had no sin at all, was was. Uh, uh, crucified and, and executed along with the murderers and thieves. He was one of them, and uh, the greatest injustice had been done. Uh, but uh, God used that 
greatest injustice to produce the greatest victory, didn't he? It was through the cross that Jesus paid the penalty for you and I to get to heaven, paid for our sins, and then he proved that he did it by rising from the dead the third day. And no other religious leader has an empty tomb. There are people that maybe you have known who've had a near-death experience, and maybe their heart stopped for a little while or stopped breathing for a little while or whatever, and they came back. This was three days, okay? Tell me somebody who three days, and never to die again. Those people who have what they call the near-death experience, they die again, okay? They don't ascend to heaven in front of a, a, a crowd of witnesses when angels saying he's going to come back again the same way. Uh, they had a, whatever that experience was, uh, was not uh, the, the death that Jesus died, and uh, clearly dead, and clearly alive again three days later and seen by over 500 people. And that's what our faith is built on. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, your faith is in vain. You're still in your sins. Uh, he might put it this way, or he says also, if Christ is not risen, uh, eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Uh, that's what most people are doing, aren't they? They're eating and drinking today. For, they don't think there's any life after death, but there is. And uh, Jesus not only defeated death but he proved that there's a life after death and he is the expert on it because three days later he rose again and then he ascended into heaven 40 days later and never to die again but there's opposition to the work and the enemy wants to defeat us and sometimes it seems like we've been defeated but the seeming defeat of Jesus on the cross led to the greatest victory of history and others in the Bible were uh, went through serious trials and preparation to be used of God. And these would discourage us. That's why Paul says, you know, don't be discouraged. Be uh, steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the, this work because your labor is not in vain. Even though sometimes it looks like it is, even though the enemy tries to uh, get you sidetracked, persevere. Keep going. Don't quit. Be steadfast. Be firm in your convictions and and your effort, knowing that, you know, it may be hard sometimes, it may be not even what you feel like doing, uh, but you have a Lord that you love, and he says, get out there and do the work. Uh, and uh, you, is, you are one of the ones he's chosen to be his laborer. Uh, but uh, others in the Bible, again, had great trials and preparation to be used of God. Joseph uh, had years as a slave, and then two years unjustly in prison before God gave him uh, raised him up to be the second in command in Egypt. You're all familiar with that story of Joseph. Uh, he was th sold into slavery by his own brothers. You know, and you think, you know, well, that would discourage your faith in God. <laughs> if my own brother sold me into slavery, it didn't. It said even as a servant, he was one of the hardest workers, and he showed integrity, and the slave master put him in charge of the servants. And, uh, and then you say, well, that certainly... Uh, you know, uh, would make him ready for God's purposes. And uh, it wasn't to be, was it? Here he was the, running the, the slaves in the master's household, and the wife said, tried to seduce him, and he said no. He said, I don't want to sin against God and sin against my master in having an affair with you, even though he could have got away with it. And, and uh, uh, all of history would have been changed had he gotten bitter when his brothers sold him as a slave and said, forget it, and tried to escape and, and uh, was a rotten prisoner and, and uh, fought the other prisoners and, and uh, uh, forgot his integrity. 
No, he stayed a man of integrity, even uh, as a slave and then in prison. He, he kept faithful. He was steadfast. He was immovable in following God. And because of that, God used him in a mighty way, raised him up to second in command in Egypt, saved that whole region from the famine because God had a better idea even through the suffering that Joseph and humiliation and years of seemingly failure, of seemingly, you know, Satan had won. <laughs> God can't allow this to happen. And we like to say that. But no, keep going. Keep serving the Lord. Know that he has a plan. All things work together. It says in uh, Romans 8, 28, he knows all of our circumstances. And uh, we will only know his will if we continue to trust in him. He's using our circumstances. And all of history would have been changed if Joseph gave up serving the Lord as a slave or a prisoner. There are modern-day examples of uh, this sort of thing, how God takes a seeming defeat, turns it into a victory. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I'm wondering what he's going to do with uh, <clears throat> a man I've gotten to know is Rick Saccone. For some reason, he ended up in, in the election this week that was uh, broadcast around the country. I don't know if you heard about it or not. I'm one of those uh, nuts who stayed up till midnight or so waiting for the get final votes to come in. And I guess uh, he ran against a, a liberal Democrat. And uh, he, he's a man who has promoted the In God We Trust model, the Year of the Bible, and a lot of other things in our state house here in Pennsylvania. He's a Christian man uh, with strong beliefs. And uh, uh, looks like he's lost. But they say there's still some more ballots. Military ballots have to be counted, and they have till tomorrow to get those ballots in. It's so close. Out of 220,000, 30,000 votes, uh, he was behind by only a few hundred. And so, But he might lose. And you think, well... You know, is that a defeat for uh, the cause of Christ? Here's one of Christ's followers, and he loses this. Is that a defeat? And, and uh, even in a practical sense, uh, from an outward appearance, even they started calling him a bad candidate. I don't know how many of you watched that election, but they said, well, it was, they got a, a bad candidate. That's why he lost. He was a great candidate, and uh, uh, he was a great guy. He was an uh, Air Force veteran and intelligence and just I mean he's got a resume like you can't believe uh, but also stands for Christ and uh, uh, yet he's probably going to lose I, you know again God is a God of miracles and maybe those last votes will switch it uh, but uh, in any case I don't know what God has for him but I do know God's in control uh, God didn't lose control of Rick Saccone's life uh, when the voters went to the polls and voted him out and I can think of a very parallel illustration uh, Back a number of years ago, there was a senator, John Ashcroft, from Missouri, and he served in the U.S. Senate. It was a strong Christian man, was even named possible presidential candidate at one time. And uh, his opponent uh, for the Senate, one of the Senate races, uh, died during the campaign, one or two months before the campaign. And so uh, he, he was running on the ballot against a dead man, and uh, the dead man won, okay? And his, the dead man's widow became the senator from Missouri, and John Ashcroft was taken out of the Senate in that election. And, you know, you think of not only was that a defeat of a good guy, uh, you know, how embarrassing it must have been to lose to the dead guy, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, seemingly there was a loss, you know, and it looked like uh, this was a bad thing. And that was uh, when, because he was out of the Senate, he was available to be nominated by, I believe it was senior President Bush, as the Attorney General of the United States. And so uh, 
God used that. And a couple of times in his career, he said how you know, a defeat turned into something God used for something else. He had a different plan in mind than we thought. And so when we see things happen in our life, uh, you know, that uh, seemingly, oh, you know, how could God be in this or why did it go this way? Uh, we need to be steadfast and immovable, continue to serve the Lord and wait and see what he wants to do uh, with the situation. And I could give many, many more examples tonight, uh, but I don't have time. But back to that parable in Luke 19, Jesus says uh, we are to be using what God has given us, time, talents, resources, spiritual gifts, until he returns. And uh, again, we don't want to be like the one who hid his mina, his talent. Instead of, uh, Jesus said you could at least, uh, the, the servant could have at least put it in the bank and got a little interest. And very little interest now, by the way, in banks. But uh, he should have even done that, okay? Instead of wasting what uh, he had been given. And what have you been given? What have I been given? We've been given life, first of all. We're here and still in this life. Uh, we have a job to do for the Lord. Have we thought about what God wants us to do today? He wants us here in church. Uh, obviously, that's one of the things he calls believers to do, to uh, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and encourage one another you being here encourages the people next to you that someone else is still willing to come on a Sunday night at the church and uh, because they love the Lord and they want to serve the Lord and that dedication shows uh, but there are other things and other gifts and resources maybe financially uh, that you've been holding back you know you can't take it with you uh, <coughs> the uh, uh, there are no hearses behind I mean there are no uh, U-Hauls behind hearses, okay? Uh, you can't take any of the resources with you. When you're gone, it's gone. And, uh, you know, uh, you want to give some to your kids and other things, fine. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, too many people are storing away resources that will be unused for the kingdom of God. And what, you know, what dollar does God give me that isn't his in the first place and that I shouldn't consider how I can use it for his kingdom? And... Uh, uh, so, and the things that we think are valuable, you know the joke that uh, the guy uh, asked if he could take take uh, something with him to heaven, and he uh, and uh, God told him, no, no, we don't allow you to bring anything with you. You got to just come. And finally, he said, all right, bring something. And the, at the angel at the gates of heaven met this fellow, and he had a suitcase with him, and. Uh, said, what? He said, yeah, the Lord said I could bring one thing with me. And he said, all right, well, let me see what you brought. And he opens the suitcase, and the, uh, and, uh, the angel says to him, oh, you brought pavement, okay, <laughs> because he brought a suitcase of gold, and the streets of heaven are paved with gold. And so what he thought was so great that he had to take it with him, <laughs> you know, uh, is foolishness and things that uh, uh, we think are so important not important in God's economy but what he has done is he's entrusted us with uh, talents and time uh, one of the, the things a lot of us here uh, are in those retirement years and uh, uh, we've got a lot of time and you know for a lot it's TV time or uh, time to fiddle around and do little odds and ends here uh, how about we think of a way God can use that time for his kingdom uh, that the the Older people can be some of the greatest resources. You know, the younger people are running around to this ball game and this school event and this thing, uh, and they, they don't have as much free time and uh, discretionary time 
a lot of times. And, and so it's not wrong for the older people to keep involved and uh, try and train up the young people and get them involved too. But uh, time is something that we've been given and as well as our resources and our talents and then our spiritual gifts. You know, you may be gifted in a certain area and uh, have you just sat on it, you know, teaching or, uh, you know, we say, well, I've done my share. And I, I didn't find that in the, any of the pages of the Bible where Jesus says, yeah, you've done your share. Let somebody else do it, okay? Uh, I've heard that excuse. I've tried to make it myself sometimes. Uh, but uh, uh, no, you know, you may be let someone else do that job, but what job is there for you? You know, you may not have the energy or the resources to continue to do what you were doing. What could you do now? And uh, uh, certainly nothing that we uh, give to Christ is wasted. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord, whatever it might be. And uh, as this statement goes, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so may we be found doing his work when he comes. Be steadfast and immovable. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for your many blessings to us. We thank you for our salvation in Christ. If anyone here is not certain they're ready when you come, may they deal with that tonight and turn from sin and call on Christ as the only Savior to forgive sins and to give us a place as a free gift to heaven, not because we deserve it, but because he paid it for it for us. And then may we share that message with as many as we can while we still have breath with the resources that you've given us, the talents, the time, and the abilities uh, that we might lay them before you and offer our lives in service. You've offered us your all. You love us so much. And thank you that you've given us a work to do. And uh, we give you praise and thanks. We ask you to burn a conviction in our heart not to waste our life in any way, not to put our resources in a handkerchief and hide it away, but to dedicate ourselves to you. With all the energy that we have, may it be, whether it be greater or lesser, may we be all Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's uh, dismiss with a chorus. If you're able to stand, uh, stand with me, and we'll sing, Thank You, Lord. And uh, Easter is another good time to share the gospel. A lot of people are going to miss it. They're going to think of Easter bunnies and, and uh, shoving chocolate down their mouth. <laughs> and uh, I hope that uh, we do different. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thanks for coming tonight. God bless you.